I was given this assignment after lunch. In fact, uh, most of us who have been in conferences many times understand that the after lunch teaching is one of the dif most difficult. And the reason it's, it's most difficult is because you guys have a hard time staying awake. Correct? <laughs> right? Us pastors. Pa in fact, Terry said to me, Pastor Terry Milford, uh, he said, how are you going to make us stay awake? And I said, well, no problem. This here is a weapon of choice to any of you guys that fall asleep. Right there, just do one of those things. And so, uh, you know, that's how we'll do it. So you guys don't fall asleep. I won't squirt you, all right? Open your Bibles up to the book of Ephesians. It's really a blessing to be able to be here. A tremendous privilege for me uh, this afternoon to share the pulpit with such blessed and godly men that have really been on the front line of the battle for so many years. You know, we talk about being battle ready. These guys have been in the front line uh, for many, many years. Raul, Mike, both Rays, Sean, the cry. I remember hearing the cry many years. They've been in the ministry uh, for many years as well. And I was thinking back to when I first got saved and when I first gave my life to the Lord 28 years ago, uh, realizing that I needed to grow, I started to listen to Raul Reese. And I, I gave my life to the Lord when I was, you know, one years old and uh, 28 years ago. And I was very advanced for my age. And uh, anyways, I listened to Raul Reese on the radio and, you know, make noises at him. But uh, the thing is, is that Raul Reese, I remember listening to him years ago and being very convicted many times by his messages. And I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but I remember the Lord busted me one time and Raul was sharing and and one of my friends gave me a CD that he had listened to, and I was struggling at that time. I was a brand new Christian, and I was struggling still with sexual immorality. And uh, my friend, one of my friends named Jerome Rael, I don't know if he's here now, but he was here last night. He gave me a, a CD of Raul to listen to about sexual immorality. And I remember I put it in, and I listened to it, and the first thing I thought to myself is, who does he think he is giving me this tape? And then I remember getting mad at Raw. Now, I, I, didn't, I just told Raw this, but I wouldn't tell him to his face because he knows karate. But um, uh, I remember getting mad at Raw, you know, and thinking, who does Raw think he is? And I was a brand new Christian. I remember laying in bed at night, and I was thinking to myself, just laying there and, and being convicted by this tape I just listened to. And I remember the Holy Spirit clearly speaking to me, and he said to me, as he put his finger on my sin, and said, I want you to get rid of that one. I remember the Holy Spirit said to me, you're not mad at Raul, and you're not mad at Jerome. You're mad at me. And I remember how wonderful and how painful that was. And it's really neat because the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, it hurts sometimes. It's very uncomfortable for us. But the Holy Spirit convicts us in order to change us. The, the Holy Spirit convicts us in order to cleanse us, in order to draw us closer to the Father. That's always his purpose. And thus God chastens those that he loves. And so I just want to encourage all of you men here that if the Holy Spirit has been convicting you about some things in your life, this conference so far, and he's shown you some changes that need to be made, just remember that he is doing it because he loves you. And the Holy Spirit is different than Satan because Satan will condemn you, but the Holy Spirit convicts you. 
Satan condemns you in order to push you away from God or to make you run from God and hide from God, but the Holy Spirit convicts us in order to draw us back to the Lord and to, to get our hearts right with the Lord. And so I just want to encourage you guys not to resist the Holy Spirit this conference, but to respond to Him. Now this afternoon I've been assigned the next part of the armor of God, so our text is going to be in uh, chapter 6 of Ephesians, verse 15. It says, And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now thus far we've learned some powerful and some very important truths concerning the spiritual battle that we are in. We've learned about the tools that God has given to us. And I believe in order to be battle ready and victorious, we have to apply what God instructs us to do. We have to apply it daily. Now, I've been walking with the Lord all these years, and yet every single morning I wake up and I recognize something. Lord, I need you today. Lord, fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. Lord, give me your guidance. Lord, give me your words. Help me to have the mind of Christ. And you know, you got to kind of go through that whole routine of putting on the armor every single day. That's what God wants us to do. And so we've covered some important parts already. Now, I want to read, to, read just so that we get the context here. Look at verse 10 again, and let's read it down to my part here. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the, day, in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I don't know if you noticed, but we, see, we hear the word stand in verse 11. Then we hear again, withstand and stand in verse 13, and then stand in verse 14. So what is the Lord trying to tell us here? He's trying to tell us that He wants us to stand. And men, when you stand, what are you standing on? Those things that you look down at. We're standing on our feet. Now, I, you know, when I got this assignment, I looked at it and I go, wow, I get to talk about feet. And I thought, well, Lord, what does your word have to say about our feet? Paul the Apostle says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the body is not made up of one part but of many. And if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. The head cannot say to the foot, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think that are less honorable, we treat with special honor. So how important do you guys suppose your feet are in a battle? Now, you might not think all that much about your feet daily, but we recognize that they play a very important role in the everyday life, everyday life, the things that we do. They are essential. Our feet are essential. A good friend of mine that was here last night, his, his, last night, his name is Bobby Martinez. He's on staff at Calvary Chapel of Albuquerque, and he recently went to vacation on, in Texas. And I called him after he got back. I go, well, Bobby, how was your vacation? How did things go? He goes, it was a bummer. I said, what happened? He said, well, we went to the water park, me and the family there, and we were having a blast. And I slid down this slide, and I got to the bottom, and my foot, my toe, hit a lady's leg, and it bent it and broke my toe, he said. And I, and I said, well, what happened? He goes, 
I spent the whole week in the hotel room. My family was out having a good time, and I was there in the hotel room in pain. In, on crutches, the last part, he said, I was in a wheelchair. Now, I couldn't help but laugh because, you know, what are friends for? And so uh, I started laughing, you know, and uh, I thought it was kind of funny. But if you've ever had anything like that happen to you, it was, it was the, 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 the toe next to the little toe. Now, again, how often do you think about that? Until you heard it. Right? He was hurt and he couldn't do anything. He was incapacitated. And so then you realize how important all of the parts of the body are. So in a battle, if you're going to be battle ready, you cannot have your feet out of commission. How many of you have ever broken your, a foot or a toe? Raise your hands. Anybody? You guys know how painful that is. One day, me and my son were going trapping, and I like hunting and fishing and trapping and all that. And we were going trapping, and we were going to check our traps. I keep thinking that's a person. I'm like, sit down. Would you sit down? Um, anyways, because I'm half blind, you know. But uh, uh, <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, but I, we were going out, and, and my son and I were running up this trail on the mountains, and he's a lot younger than I am. Uh, I had him when I was 10. And, uh, and so uh, I was trying to keep up with him. And I'm running along, and, and I was getting pretty tired, and my foot came down. I didn't see a rock. My foot came down like if you're kicking a football. And I kicked a rock, right, while I was running. And I started to do one of these, ooh, you know, and boom, I biffed it. Well, of course, I got up as fast as I could, but my toe was killing me. And so I, I thought, well, oh, I wanted to lay there and start crying or something, you know, but I had to act tough because I was the dad, you know, and so, and besides, he was winning, so I had to try to catch up to him, and so, so I started running again, and I was like, ah, and I ran, and I got, got to where our traps were, and I told my son, man, son, I, my hands were all cut, my arms, I was wiped out, you know, and I told him, son, my, my toe, I think it's broken, and it feels wet in there. And so I didn't take my shoe off. We walked back to the truck, got back to the house. I opened my shoe, and my toenail was torn off completely. It hurt like crazy. And so, anyways, if you ever have something like that happen, you realize how important those parts are. And so Paul the Apostle makes a, an important point here in the armor. He says, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The NIV says, having your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The Amplified says, and having shod your feet in preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability. The promptness and readiness produced by the, the good news of the gospel of peace. And the New Century Version says, on your feet wear the good news of peace to help you stand strong. So our feet are very important, aren't they? Because our feet take us places. You guys all, most of you, walked in here. Our feet take us places, and they're very, very important to us. And so we recognize the, the role that our feet play. And so it's interesting that Paul uses this as an illustration. See, in this battle that we are in, Words come to mind, and we are in a spiritual battle, guys, but words come to my mind like courage. Courage is needed for the battle. Obedience. We have to listen to the Lord's voice in getting instructions from Him. Dependence, perseverance, alertness. The word Paul uses here in our text is preparation, which can also be translated readiness or firmness or firm-footedness. 
It's a picture of the Roman soldier in full regalia. Roman soldiers wore special, and I was reading this week, special war boots or sandals. They were called the caliga. And they had nails or spikes in the bottom and so that they could have better traction. They wouldn't lose their footing in the battle. And so they were warned to prevent them from being pushed back or from sliding. Kent Hughes, in his commentary, he says, The readiness of our text pictures us being ready with our caliga, war boots, firmly planted on solid ground, thus established the enemy is not going to push us back. Rather, we are set to advance. And so the idea here is that the gospel itself gives us a firm footing in the battle. The gospel gives us a firm foundation. And so it's all about preparedness, guys. And that's why we have to be every single day putting on the full armor. We have to be ready because we are in a battle. You must, I must get ready. How do we do that? Well, the Word of God prepares us. Every single one of you guys, do not depend upon, do not depend upon your pastor only to feed you the Word of God. You have to be in the Scriptures yourself. If you're going to grow and you're going to get battle ready, you've got to be in the Word of God. You've got to spend time in it. You've got to spend time reading it. You've got to spend time meditating upon it. You've got to spend time memorizing it. And so it's a readiness, we're told here, that comes from the gospel of peace. And Paul wrote to Timothy, whom he called a soldier, exhorting Timothy to live committed completely and totally to his commanding officer, Jesus Christ, living in order to please him. He instructed him, he said this, study to show yourself approved. A workman, or I would say a soldier, who need not be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. So it's essential that we are made ready, that there's preparation, and that there's a firmness in our lives, a foot, we have that, that footing that is firmly planted upon Jesus Christ. Uh, I just returned from an 11-day trip. In fact, the guy I squirted over there is Rusty. And we went on an 11-day trip to uh, Alaska. And uh, the reason I squirted him is because he snored for six or seven days straight, and I didn't get a wink of sleep. But uh, um, we went on, on this trip to Alaska, and it was really, really a blessing. And as we get to, you know, we're planning to go to Alaska. We're going there to hunt caribou. We're there going there to hunt wolves. Uh, we also had the possibility of shooting a black bear, and we were going to go fishing as well. And we were going to float a 30, 35-mile river. Now, a lot went into this trip by way of preparation by way of studying we had to be made ready there was a lot to uh, to do in order to be ready or made ready and one of the big issues was the elements the environment that we were going into so we needed to make sure that we had all of the right kind of clothing uh, we had to have rain gear and jackets special socks special material to keep sweat off of the body to avoid hypothermia we brought we bought special backpacks with carrying capabilities for hauling caribou we had sub-zero uh, rated sleeping bags in fact i think by the time that i was done almost and you know almost done buying everything my wife was about ready to strangle me because it costs a lot of money we had to buy all this stuff to get prepared to go to alaska and so we took a lot of time. And then we had limited space as well. And so we had to be limited in the things that we took. We were limited in our food. So we took enough for two meals per day. And we would eat these MREs 
one in the morning and one at lunch, and then we were depending on, on fish, catching fish for our dinner. Two other things that were extremely vital. Number one, our shoes. Our shoes, we had waterproof boots. And then we also had waders because the river that we were floating was great glacier runoff. And it was extremely cold, and you could not afford at all to get wet because you, you could get hypothermia, and it can kill you within minutes. Another biggie was our weapons. Rusty took a 300 Winchester mag with a special 180-grain Nosler partition uh, bullets, and he took that for the caribou ore in case we saw a grizzly. I carried a 44 mag with 320-grain solids. I also had a rifle, a 375 H&H Remington mag, because my 7-millimeter mag was too small, and I had 300-grain bullets, and I'm telling you, those things looked like missiles. They were huge, you know? And so we had all of these things, and we had studied bear behavior. We had studied it very carefully, how to avoid being attacked, how to set up our camp, our cooking place away from our camp, our tent. You know, all those things were, were very, very important. We slept with the guns by our sides, you know? And uh, we were always, when we went to do anything, we were always alert. We were always on the guard for bears. In fact, I'm telling you, when Ray was saying that everybody stole, the, I was going to tell the bear joke. Look, I have it marked out right here. You see that, Ray? I was going to tell, it was a perfect place for the bear joke, but I was going to tell the bear joke right now uh, about the circumcised bear and all. But every morning... I actually have an alternative joke. Want to hear it? No, I better not. Just kidding. <laughs> but every morning when we would wake up, first thing we would put our clothes on so that we were ready for the elements. Every day as we would get ready to go out, we put our waders on so that our feet wouldn't get wet. We would then, you know, uh, put on all of our weapons. And it didn't matter what you were doing. You always had your weapon with you whether you were going to the bathroom or, you know, going looking for wood or fishing, you always had your weapon on you all of the time. Why? Because there was a possibility always of extreme danger in what we were doing. And so in essence, we were daily battle ready, and we put on everything that we needed in order to face the elements and the environment that we were in and the kind of enemy that we might face. And you know, when you start to see where you're camping at or around where you're camping, giant bear tracks that are way bigger than your feet, I'm telling you, that will increase your prayer life very quickly <laughs> because these things are huge. And so, men, in a spiritual sense, it's no different for us daily. You see, we have a real enemy who, if he gets a hold of us, will tear us to shreds and we live in a very dangerous and a very hostile environment. See, this world is a dangerous place spiritually. It has a lot of temptations. I'm sure you've recognized that already. And so we have to be constantly on our watch. What if I told you guys that after the service is over and you go out to your cars after we're done here today, that there were two or three grizzlies, killer grizzlies, uh, loose in Belen? Would you walk out to your car casually, you know, not paying attention? You wouldn't, would you? Unless you were, duh, you know. But the thing is, is that when you recognize that we are in a spiritual battle with a real enemy, I'm telling you, it will make you real, recognize that we have to be on the alert all of the time. We have to be battle ready all of the time. 
before we left to our trip to Alaska, people kept telling me, have you watched that movie, The Edge? I don't know if you guys have ever watched it. I'm like, why would I want to watch that right before I go over there? And then I'll, then I'll really be freaked out. Now, here's what we did. We bought bells, right? We bought little bells that you go, guys, any guys go fishing and you put those little bells, you know, like you, if you start getting a bite, the bells will start ringing so you know you're getting a bite. Sort of lazy fishermen or whatever, I don't know. And so, uh, so I decide, we decided to buy those and put them on all of our stuff. We put them on our food and everything. And so first night, I'm laying there, right? We go to bed and Rusty falls instantly asleep. Well, I'm laying there and I'm li- listening for the bells, right? And then all I hear is Rusty snoring. And I'm like, I can't hear the bells. And I'm like, what if a bear comes? And then I'm thinking, what if he sounds like a bear mating? You know, I start, my mind starts going like crazy. And, I, and I'm, I'm freaking out, you know? And so then I, start, I tell myself, well, I can't just lay here all night for like a week and a half or whatever. I'm going to have to fall asleep. So I look over, you know, and I, I remembered I brought earplugs. So I put the earplugs and I said, well, there goes the bells, you know. But I could still hear Rusty loud and clear through these earplugs. And so I look over at him and I, I'm looking around and I, and I think, I remember I th- had my jacket by my head, I thought. And so I grabbed my jacket to go like this and put it over my ears, you know. And it was his jacket and his head goes, bonk. <laughs> and he looked over at me and goes, what are you doing? I go, oh, sorry. And, uh, but... <laughs> I don't even know why I'm telling this. But anyways, the, the, the whole thing is that you and we were trying our best to be ready because we were living in a hostile environment. And so it's, it's one of those things where you recognize that we have to watch out constantly. We have an enemy that would like to devour us. Not only that, we have our own sinful flesh to deal with. And see, our flesh is sinful to the core. Our flesh craves sin like a wolf or a bear craves blood. Right after we killed the caribou, we were really then nervous because they can smell the blood in the air. And they will come to the smell of blood. Well, that's how our flesh is. Our flesh craves sin. And it wants to be fed. It wants to be satisfied. So we see we have that inner struggle. John calls it, one of these guys stole my verse, and uh, calls it the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's not from the Father, but it's, it's of the world. And so we're, we find over and over that we are told in the Scripture that we are in a battle. The flesh lusts or wars against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh, and they are contrary to each other. They are in conflict with each other. So this whole text from start to finish that we are studying this, mor- this afternoon and this morning is an exhortation from the Holy Spirit to take what we are facing seriously. And then to take the the provisions that God has given to us and to put on the full armor of God, that which God has provided for us, including having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And guys, we need to stand, don't we? We need to stand against the wiles of the devil. We need to withstand the evil day. And we need to dig in and even be advancing for the kingdom of God. So God has given us all of this equipment because He wants us to win. He wants us to be victorious. We are already, I think Mike was sharing that we are already fighting from victory, not for victory. Or was it Raw? Whoever, I can't remember. Whoever else stole my stuff. Um, so, so the thing is, is that we're, we're in this battle. 
So as we are in this battle and we're walking with the Lord, we need to recognize that the days that we live in are evil. There is clear and present danger. Look at the signs. All you have to do, Mike was sharing with us, all the guys have shared with us, the, the days that we live in are evil, aren't they? Look at the signs all around us. There are, if you will, giant bear tracks all around us. And what does that mean? It means that something made those tracks and thus we should be ready and have on our armor daily. Now I know I'm repeating what's already been said, but I think it's important to say it again. We need to hear it over and over until we get it, that we need to be serious about this battle that we are in. And like Peter wrote in his epistle, he says, I will remind you of these things even though you already know them. And the reason I remind you, the reason the Word of God repeats things, the reason God tells us things over and over is because He wants us to take what He is saying to us seriously because your soul is at stake and the souls of those around us are at stake. Now finally, I'd like to come around the home stretch with this final idea and challenge to you guys. All of you guys here that have accepted Christ that you are now born again, you have received the Lord. Now, I'm not talking about being religious. I was raised in the Catholic Church. I went to, made my first Holy Communion. I was an altar boy. But you know what? I was lost as anything. I went to church with my parents, you know, and all that. But I didn't know the Lord personally. And there's a huge difference between having a real personal relationship with Jesus Christ and being religious. And I think a lot of people are religious, but they don't know Christ. And so if you're here, though, and you've been born again, you've accepted Jesus Christ, I want to issue you guys a challenge. You see, God has given us a job to do as believers. We have marching orders now from the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a great commission. And we are to put on our kaliga, our war boots that he has provided for us. And we are to take our marching orders from our commanding officer. And so we are to come with the gospel of peace, having our feet fitted with the readiness or the preparedness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now, it seems like an oxymoron in a way because we're in this spiritual battle, but then we have here these words, the gospel of peace. But you see, it's, it's not like that because the weapons that we fight with are not physical or carnal. They are spiritual weapons. We are in a spiritual battle. What does God want every person to know? What does God want every person to be told, to be exposed to? He wants them to be told and to be exposed to the gospel of peace because the Lord wants us to understand that he died, all people to understand that he died on the cross to shed his blood for them so that they could have the opportunity of salvation and eternal life. You guys ever hear about the Moravians? The Moravians were a group of missionaries and they lived during the time of slavery. And these guys were so passionate about God and so passionate about the gospel. And they wanted to reach, no one was reaching the slaves with the gospel. So what they decided to do is they decided to sell themselves into slavery. And they knew that when they sold themselves as slaves, they would never ever see their families again. And so they would go and they would go to the ships, they would sell themselves as slaves, and that was it. It meant their life was over. Their life was no longer going to be lived how they had been living it because they were now committed to reaching the slaves on those ships with the gospel. And they, they, they had a saying that was really an awesome saying. They would say this, May the lamb that was slain receive the just reward 
for his sufferings. I thought, you know, that's an awesome way to look at giving your life completely to the Lord. May the lamb that was slain receive the just reward for his sufferings in our lives. May we be completely given over to him in every way. And so the Lord wants people to know the gospel of peace, that we can have peace with God, that we can have the peace of God that transcends all understanding. And it comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. So the gospel for us who have it now, it's to be given. It's to be shared. It's good news. God uses feet shod in readiness and preparation to deliver his message. And those feet are your feet and they are my feet. God spreads his message through willing, yielded vessels. Turn over to Romans, the book of Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Beginning at verse 13. It says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. You see, God is calling us to that. We need to be every single day, I believe, alert to the opportunities that God gives to us when we meet people to share the gospel with them. You know, I used to be pretty timid, and then I, I, I prayed, and I, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I got so much more bold. And then from that point on, I began to look all the time. I was like, Lord, use me, Lord, use me. And I was always looking for opportunities to share the gospel with people. And you know what, that was when I first, that happened to me when I first got saved all those years ago. But you know, every single day I pray for that fresh filling and empowering of the Holy Spirit and boldness. And we had some neat things happen to us on our, on our trip. We were flying over from Tucson to Seattle and we were sitting there and Rusty was sitting here, I was sitting here and this young girl was sitting here and you know, she was in her own little world and we were just kind of you know, looking at magazines, whatever. And all of a sudden she started talking to me. And pretty soon I was like, I think this girl might be open to the gospel, and I started sharing with her. And it was so, so cool that I got to share the gospel, and I was praying, Lord, give us opportunities on this trip, not just to go hunting or fishing. It was great, but to be able to minister along the way. And then on the way back, we were flying back from uh, uh, Kotzebue all the way to Seattle. We landed in Anchorage, and we were, I was sitting next to this guy. And this guy was a, you could tell, he, he was a real good-looking guy. Not that I'm gay or anything, but, uh, uh, but he was a real good-looking guy, you know. And you could tell he's one of those guys that was a womanizer to the max. And he was telling me all about his exploits, you know. All about the stuff he'd been doing up there in Kotzebue and all the fights he'd been getting in. He was into, he was into UFC. He was, he was in fighting, in fact, he was a fighter. He was real, you know, cut and built and all that. And so he's telling me all this stuff. And, and, then, and then pretty soon... We were talking, I told him about this incident that happened to us while we were up there in Alaska, and this, this drunk guy sees us with our caribou antlers, and the, some of the, the, the Eskimos do not like white people up there, even though I don't look that white, but I'm more white than them, you know, I guess, and they don't like us. And so we had our antlers, and the guy goes, what are you doing with those? And uh, we were trying to ignore him. We were getting on the plane, loading up to come back, and he goes, you can't take those. He said, I'm confiscating them from you. 
And he was drunk, you know, so we were just trying to ignore him. And finally he keeps, keeps pressing us. He tells Rusty, so what are you going to do with those? Or why do you have those? And Rusty goes, because they're nice <laughs> or something. And, and finally, uh, anyways, what happened is we just kept, whenever we talked to the guy, we, didn't, we weren't combative with him. We were nice to him. And so, I, so pretty soon he, his whole countenance changed towards us. And he started, like, talking to us normal, like, all that anger and hatred left, you know, like the scripture says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Well, anyways, I'm telling this story now to this guy on the airplane, and he goes, wow, how could you do that? Because I guess, you know, when anyone messes with him, he just beats them up. Because he told me, <laughs> he told me he had just beat three guys up in the bar. These three Eskimo dudes came up to him or were trying to pick a fight with him and he just, boom, he headbutted at one of the other ones and beat the heck out of the other two and they were like, ah, you know. And so he's like, wow, how'd you do that? How could you do that? And I said, well, you know, it's Jesus. And then he goes, you know what? I just started going to church. I've never been to church my whole life and my dad never took me to church, but I, I went to church when I was back in Phoenix and and." And I'm, I'm starting to learn about God, but I don't know anything. What do I do? I'm like, wow, <laughs> this is cool, you know? And, and it was the Lord. But you know, it, it's one of those things where the Lord is telling us here, we have to have a readiness. Always be willing to say, Lord, use me however you want to. The Bible calls us ambassadors, carriers, heralds of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, 9 says, He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's fellow workers, Paul says, we urge you to not to receive the grace of God in vain. I wish I had time, guys, to quote all, when I was studying this week and these last couple of weeks, to, to, to quote all the verses that have to do with our feet and our walk with God. But we're called, man, all of us are called to walk worthy of the calling that we have received. Ephesians 4.1. You've heard the words of St. Francis of Assisi, preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. Colossians 1.10 says that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. 1 Thessalonians 2.12 says, Paul encouraging the Thessalonians, he says, comforting them and urging them, he says, to walk, excuse me, to walk worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom's glory. And so as we think about what does it mean to walk worthy, what does it mean to be prepared and, and getting our feet prepared with the gospel, what does that mean? Well, it means this. We walk worthy in part by our obedience to the gospel itself. We walk worthy when we shine the light and not hide it under a bowl. We walk worthy when we live unashamed of the gospel, unashamed to tell it to others, and that we are not ashamed to the gospel. You know, the most victorious Christians that I have ever met are witnessing Christians because there's life coming in, but there's life going out. And as you're sharing and you're witnessing, it's so awesome to be used by God like that. I would encourage you guys to have your feet prepared every single day with the readiness to give the gospel of peace out to people that you meet. You see, we're called to walk worthy. We walk worthy when we take ground from the enemy and win souls. We walk worthy when we resist the devil and we stand firm in the faith and we don't yield to temptation. 
So in closing, God wants us to have sanctified feet. Feet fitted, feet shod, feet prepared, made ready. Feet that are firm and planted upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. God wants us to have stability. And that stability comes because of the gospel. And it comes when Jesus Christ is ruling our lives. Let me ask you men, here honestly, is Jesus Christ ruling your life? Be honest. Is he really the Lord of your life? In the words of Paul the Apostle to the Thessalonians, again he says, Paul says this, May the God of peace sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body, and that includes your feet, be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. My prayer has been this last few weeks since I got invited to come out and, and just been such a blessing to just think about the privilege of standing here before a bunch of guys and I know that we all have the same kinds of struggles. We struggle with the lust of the eyes. We struggle with our flesh. We struggle with our tempers. We struggle with like raw, you know, someone runs over your surfboard and you want to beat them up. You know, we all struggle with that stuff. Because we're men and we're fallen. But my prayer has been for, for, for this conference, for all of us here, and may it be it true of us, in the words of Job himself, in Job chapter 23, verse 11, he says this, and may it be it true, may it be it true of you and me. Job says, my feet have closely followed his steps. I have kept his way without turning aside. I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. And may it be true, the words of King David in Psalm 17. He says, my steps have held to your paths. My feet have not slipped. Jesus wants us to be equipped and battle ready. Why did Jesus wash his disciples' feet? Why did he place such an emphasis on their feet? In fact, Jesus even said, you know, man need only to wash his feet and his whole body will be clean. Think about it. Our feet are in contact with this dirty world. Our feet are to be sanctified and set apart for Jesus Christ. Like that old hymn says, take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee.